This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome, everyone, to yet another episode of Diagnosing the Aftermarket A to Z. I'm Matt Fonslow, and today's episode, I'm lucky enough to track down and found Lester Kovacs of Dorman Products. He's in product development. So welcome to the podcast. Lester, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I figured at this point in time during the Napa Expo, you must have uh, run out of candidates and I was the uh, last person left. I wasn't going to say anything, <laughs> but now that you've brought it up. <laughs> After a whole lot of no's, uh, Carm and I were walking by your booth and uh, he saw you there. We walked in there. You're kind of showing us around and kind of that 3D imaging tool that you're showing off as one of the ways to... Uh, develop new products i mean you cool. know, yeah no um, super super cool when i uh we were talking about it you know being there for you know a little over 18 years now uh, i remember when we first were working on parts a lot less complex a lot smaller portfolio we only had several engineers at the time and basically it was all hand measurement tools calipers rulers um that's how we did it uh now today we were fortunate enough to bring you know one of uh seven, you know, kind of uh, cutting edge technology uh, tools that we use when we're developing a lot of these products, uh, listening to customers, technicians, counter-professionals, uncovering that next big thing. And then as part of the process, since a lot of these items are exclusive to, we have to invest in the tooling and development. So as a baseline, what we're trying to illustrate there is it's, it's really important for us to get all those critical dimensions right to materials. So those tools really help us do that quickly and efficiently. And as you saw there, that within minutes you can scan in a, a high-res image of that we had over there the um, the uh, famous Chrysler oil filler adapter housing. You know we, we were able to scan that in about six minutes, send it over to our 3D prototype team. Then the next day have a printed model that we can work with the contract manufacturer. We invest in the tooling, uh, we own all that, and then we can bring that part to the aftermarket, and then also you know make sure that it meets all of our specifications. And if you haven't noticed. Lester is so high up there, Dorman provides him its own background music. <laughs> so, we're at the Napa Expo 2022, and they are doing some sound checks, it sounds like, for the concert tonight. Huge concert tonight. Goo Goo Dolls. And, and also Keith Urban, I believe, as well. It's going to be uh, a really big deal. I was a little bit amazed at the fact they're going to leave the uh, booths open, so that'll be interesting once the concert starts <laughs> yeah. and we're you know talking to some customers. But um, it'll be interesting. Yeah, or we're sitting in the booths listening to the concert. There you go, <laughs> singing along. Oh man, how many products do you guys really have? Because, like you said, years ago it probably wasn't so expansive, but now, just walking through the booth, pretty good sized booth. But the product range is fairly immense, and that's just, I think, a small sample. It's really been a great, great ride. You know, being being asset light, we have a lot of great competitors, but our niche is really coming out with anything and everything for the vehicle where we can improve upon something or come out with something that was captive. So today we have close to 200 different categories, um, roughly about 85 to 90,000 unique SKUs. That's insane. That's crazy. And then not just products like parts to replace. You guys got some service tools. We do. Yeah, so the focus there is the same. You know, there's a, there's a lot of great tool companies already out there, so we don't want to copy anything they're doing. But there's certain niches that they either haven't reacted or in most cases maybe it's just more of a niche like the one that I think you're referring to is we have the tool that allows you to refill the nitrogen 
on late model Jeep Grand Cherokee and Dodge Ram. You know, yep. going back to the dealer, it's very expensive, and we were able to offer that at a, at, at a fraction of the cost. So, yes, we do focus on that area where it makes sense, where it's going to help sell the parts that we're making. Yeah, and you guys have been very open lately about the way I think mainly technicians or shop personnel can reach out to you about like product ideas. We could really use this uh, in the aftermarket. Either it's no longer available OE or uh, difficult to get our hands on. Maybe they call with expense, but I think it's more so the ability to get their hands on it. That's right. It's really, um, I'm in a unique role, so even though it's product development, the group I work with, we don't develop the products. We're essentially developing the relationships to keep that funnel of new ideas coming in. So someone comes across something, whether it's a vehicle right out of warranty, Matt, or something where that, where that owner just wants to take their car to their independent service center. And like perfect example, you know, active grill shutters, you know, 15, 13 years ago even, they were very nascent, if at all. But all of a sudden, you know, technicians are starting to see them and, and they started failing. So yes, that's, that, that's really what drives a lot of our ideation, having that relationship at the technician and, and, and even counter professionals. I mean, some of these counter professionals, all of them are, they're amazing for what they do for the industry, but they don't want to say no to the customers. So they're going to the back to the dealer, buying out products. So figuring out, developing relationships that, on that end is equally as important to understand what those items are. Yeah, I know just submitting stuff, nothing big, but uh, clips. A lot of times run into clips that are just would be really nice to have. Retainer clips for door handle cables, stuff like that. You know, they break. The only way you can buy a new one is to buy the whole handle. Little stuff like that comes in really handy. Of course, just various door clips and interior clips like that. Another interesting one was when doing a repair, say I'm like an intake manifold, you would buy the gaskets, some bolts on some car lines, the bolts are single use. Yep. And if you're going through the uh, OE or dealer, you're buying that stuff one piece at a time, itemized. Maybe even leaning on the parts counterman uh, or parts manager to kind of know. And if they don't, you're in a little bit of trouble. And Dorman does a little bit to help us out. Yeah, we definitely, do. and then the other one we were, we were showing there is like on the uh, Ford Transits, a lot of those when you're servicing was first uh, the rear brakes, that style or setup, you have to pull the actual hub assembly off, of course the caliper and everything else, but what Ford did is it's all one-time use bolts. So to your point, or in this case, you're going to the aftermarket, you're buying the friction, the caliper, or whatever it might be, and then only realize that the, you know, all data Mitchell or whatever you're using recommends servicing that. So you're gonna need to replace it. And then each is an individual skew. And again, not knowing when you call the dealer up what all you're doing, they're not gonna always know everything to sell you. So we do yeah. we do try to keep that mindset. And that goes hand in hand with the relationship with the tech. Because quite frankly, we don't know. We rely on them. and. One of the big questions we ask afterwards is, what can we do better? What else should be included um, with the kit? And then just to spin off of that, on the other side of that, there's also opportunities where I'll get you know phone calls, hey, Lester, not only is this part captive from the dealer, but 90% of the time, just this component right. fails. And it's serviceable, but the dealer doesn't sell it yep. separately. Yeah. Um, so that's that's also a big where it's both add a lot of value. right? When you're doing that bigger job, you don't want to worry about the hardware or the seals. But on the other side of that, it's tough to explain it sometimes, or Mr. or Mrs. Jones, that, hey, you know what, while only this bushing or this small little serviceable part failed, I have to buy the $600 component from the dealer. That's a really good point. Yeah, and run into that fairly often. I mean, we've been kind of warned, I think, for quite a few years that 
the manufacturers seemingly want to go more and more modular, like more and more modular replacements. The big example was always you weren't going to replace a fuel pump anymore. You were going to replace a fuel tank. I don't know that it's actually, that hasn't happened just yet. But other areas of the car, it's getting to be that way. Oh, yeah. And look, I truly don't think there's any, like, there's nothing nefarious going on. They're not doing it on purpose. It's all around lean manufacturing, yep. developing the product. Like, example, there's a, I believe it was one of the Euros, BMW or Mercedes, we're right now in, in the middle of developing more and more DEF components. And most of the pumps are separate and the heating elements. But BMW, I believe, only sells it with the whole tank, making it a much more costly repair. So it's, uh, to your point, it is kind of going that way in different areas where it's more modular. So I suppose there's like an elephant in the room to talk about. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I mean, it's hard to ignore, right? There's a stigma or, I don't, I don't know, do you dare say a reputation that's out there where there's a lot of um, techs in the bays and maybe even some shops in general that have some hesitancy with using dormant products. And I won't lie, it's not like I've not had an issue with a dormant product. But I also, I'm not gonna lie, I've had issues with OE parts and other, you know, parts that aren't dormant by other remanufacturers. So you guys seem to catch a lot of flack. Yeah, we do, we do. But I, I really think it's important um, that as an organization that we take time to listen and to address those situations when they occur. Um, because the reality is that we need companies like us and others that are gonna continue to push the envelope to come out with these products that no one else has. There are no good excuses. Um, we do have some of the broadest offerings. I do think we have some of the more complex parts. That doesn't mean that we can you know, half-ass and come out with a part that um, technicians aren't gonna be happy with, but I think sometimes it, that has a tendency to affect us on a greater scale. What I mean by that is somebody could historically use something of ours and they really like our axles or our balancers and all of a sudden they use a new category that's kind of new for us and we're still learning. I'm not saying that we shouldn't get it, you know, we, we do what we have, there's a lot of tests and procedures, but things do get through that shouldn't get out there. Um, and then all of a sudden they seem to get sour on the whole line and I get it, right? Because ultimately they're the face, right? The customer doesn't know most times who Dorman is. It's, I took my car to Matt to get my car fixed. The OE part lasted seven years. Now you put this crappy part on there and three months later the car's broken down on the road. We get that. I, I just think that we have to keep staying the course of keep the lines of, of communication open. You know, one of our biggest challenges I talked about it on um, Lucas's podcast, ASOD, great guys by the way, yep. is that getting that feedback and the information is critical so we can make those adjustments. And being that we're B2B and we don't sell directly, it's tougher to keep those lines of communication open. I mean, we have a lot of customers where we just give defect credits. We don't have, we, we, we need to get a better line of sight to what defects that they're having. And even when, even if we do, when we do get them back, there's never really a good story attached with how it failed for us to test it to properly determine you know, yeah. what, what's going on. The two questions pop into my head when you're, you're saying that. One is, of the stuff that gets sent back under warranty, is there a kind of a percentage in mind uh, that you would have uh, that were legitimately bad? There is. I would say, on average, working with our quality team, about 25% of what we get back, which is significant, but there's still 75%. The other 25% is either 
not our product, a core in the box, um, or something we can clearly tell was probably, we, we have a really good idea, it was not tried on the vehicle. Whether it was a revision change where we copied the OE, but it didn't look like the part, where there was a consolidation on our part where it looked different from something we did. Um, so it's about so that number is about tw about twenty five percent that we get of, of, of the total parts that we get back. So the other, there's nothing wrong. No, so that so so that twenty five percent are parts that we know that aren't that weren't ours. Or okay. let's split it up this way, Matt. So of, yeah. of the parts we get back, twenty percent is not ours. It's a core that was sent yeah. back in the box. We have this whole campaign check the box. Yep. Things get sent back sometimes by mistake, sometimes not so much. We all know how that goes. Yep. And, then the, and then the other 5% are these ones where we call new not mounted. So based on the experts that look, looking at it, like they didn't physically try the part on the vehicle. And then sometimes there's even evidence for that. Part didn't look like original, so I didn't try it on in the defect box. Sure, sure. And then the other rest are, are legitimate parts that come back that are ours that have been tried on that did not work properly okay. um, based on the feedback that we're getting. Cool, cool. What's the best channel then for techs to reach out to you, maybe not you specifically, but to, to Dorman. Maybe I have the vehicle there, I've bolted this part on. We'll just assume for the conversation at least, it was properly diagnosed, they did call the right part, and they're calling back with issues. What's the best course then for the tech in the bay to, ultimately it's to help themselves and the vehicle owner, but then via Dorman. The number one best way to start that whole process is to call a very proud and unbiased of our tech line. We have. Uh, six ASE certified professionals that supplement our 20 plus customer service professionals that handle those types of calls to figure out what's what's going on, what happened with the part. We send out OE parts. Uh, we were discussing that earlier, yep. you know, if they're under second or third one, hey, let, let's just rule everything out, you know, in that situation. So we can, I would highly recommend, we have a live web chat on our website. That there's a toll-free part number, or phone number on our website. They can talk to them directly. They're there Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. Central Time to 5 p.m. Um, outside of that, I don't, you, you mentioned, like, they can they can reach out to me directly. Um, I'm on Facebook as Lester at Dorman. Pretty easy to find. I can leave my um, cell phone and email address as well. Um, since previous podcasts and, and having our own private group, I've had a lot of people reach out and kind of change, at least change your mind about how we're reacting to situations when they occur. You know, yep. there might still be that quality hesitation, which I understand, but, you know, by all means, feel like in the role that I'm in and how vested I'm in, I have to also, you know, make myself available. And if I get too busy with too many calls, I'll figure it out. Yeah. And um, yeah. to date, I haven't. And I don't want to sound like I'm defending Dorman. Um, you guys, you know, aren't sponsoring me anyhow. You might get a lot of unsubscribers if you do yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> well, but it's not defensive of Dorman. I think it's just logic and statistics because I've bolted on other parts that fail. All right. So, I mean, aftermarket parts, probably, especially on electronics and uh, we'll even maybe even more so on sensors have a really really bad rap they do really bad maybe it's deserved maybe it isn't but they have the bad rap and i've witnessed it i don't want to say often because that blows that out of proportion but if i'm going to experience it, it that's usually the case but it's not limited to just dormant and there's a lot of times where the dormant stuff has bailed us out you know like you brought up the oil filter housing yep. that has bailed us out and not Appreciate just us. That. Yeah. Not just us. I know a lot of shops that that's the go-to part. That's what I live for every day. And it's giant. You know, people ask me at Dorman what I want to do in my career or even other, you know, just competitors. Where I've been in kind of the similar role for a long time. And I just 
love what I do because you're you you get a chance to come out with a with a part that is it needed that is in need for the aftermarket, and then you have the ability to capitalize on making it making it better, addressing issues, and really just you know help helping people. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I would think we're on a pretty darn good run with uh, the window regulators with the motors. I mean, I honestly can't think of one that we've had issues with. There's other lines that we have, but I mean, now kind of Dorman's kind of crawled into being like you know the one to go to. Just to kind of share a story with you, and I'm not yeah you know, I'm not saying this that everyone has misconceptions because they're not. You know, we've we, we've had some challenges, but I can tell you when I'm out on the road with one of our customers, one of our channel partners, and we go visit shops. There's a good possibility over two or three days I'm going to run into somebody, and I even invite it. Say, hey, do you have anyone that doesn't like Dorman? And the sales guy looks at me like, are you crazy? I'm like, no, I want to really meet this person, figure out what's going on, what we can do better. And I can tell you, I have a pretty decent success rate. I'd say half the time, I can kind of get them to at least try the part again. Because what I've seen is there's a lot of folks out there that stopped using our products. Like window regs was a big miss on it our was. part. We yep. didn't have any of the capabilities we have now. Um, we copied a lot of failures into our parts. Um, the quality control wasn't the same. So there was a lot of bad taste in people's mouths. But I think when they understood what Gorman was trying to do, and I would send them, I say, you know what, next time you have to work on a regulator and you need some time, let me send one out to you. I'll pay you the labor to put it in just based on what happened in the past and give me some feedback. And been able to kind of win those people over where even to today, they're calling me all the time for new ideas. And every once in a while, they'll have a quality control issue, um, but they use our parts a lot. There's there, there's quite a few individuals that are really like, wow, you know, it's not it's not perfect, but, you know, a lot of the stuff does actually work and they're happy with it. So that makes me, you know, feel good. And it, I don't care how mad or upset somebody is, because they should be. I'm willing to work with them to see how we can figure out their problem. If they want to use our parts again in the future, great. If not, that's not a problem either. But at the end of the day, I want to know so that we don't keep selling a part that isn't going to work. Yeah, right. I mean, that, and that's the probably the only way is changing that reputation around is one, getting them to try to use it parts again and continuously just providing good parts. Like when the stuff starts succeeding, you build that reputation back where somebody can't think back to the last time they had an issue. And now, you know, when they're flipping through their catalogs and they're scrolling through and it's, you know, whatever line, whatever line dormant, and there's one in the store, they're not really hesitating anymore. You know, where maybe a while ago, kind of hesitate, like, let me check some more lines here. Uh, how long is that one? That's a couple days out. You think they'll wait? I don't know. Okay, let's, we'll put the dormant one in and cross our fingers. And then, you know, over time, if that changes where it's the, a trusted brand, it, has, it can't help but, you know, permeate the uh, profession. It just can't. Yeah. It's no secret we're facing a technician shortage. Napa Auto Care has a solution with the Napa Auto Care Apprentice Program. The program was engineered by one of our own, Pete McNeil and Master Technician Jake Sorensen of McNeil's Auto Care in Sandy, Utah, realized that the problem of not having technicians available for hire was not going to solve itself and decided to take action and look at a different audience of individuals available for hire. A focus was put on younger individuals with the right passion, desire, and attitude to work in the automotive repair industry. Jake and Pete sought these individuals and developed a technician apprentice program to give them the training needed to become a successful technician in today's world. 
The Napa Auto Care Apprentice Program includes a comprehensive nine-stage curriculum that includes a variety of types of training, classroom training videos. Exclusive to the Apprentice Program, these videos provide an in-depth training from a successful master technician. Autotech classes, instructor-led courses offered through Napa Autotech, Autotech e-learning, web-based e-learnings designed to target specific training topics, hands-on learning. The apprentice will apply the skills gained from the classroom training videos, Autotech instructor-led training, and Autotech e-learnings in the shop with the guidance of a mentor. The apprentice program curriculum is competency-based, meaning an apprentice can move through each stage at a pace that best suits them. Most apprentices complete the program within two years. Upon a completion, apprentices will have earned ASE G1, A4, A5, and AC certifications, adding industry validation to the skills an apprentice acquires. Grow your bottom line. Having an apprentice in your shop will ultimately benefit your bottom line as they advance through the program. In most cases, as the apprentice develops their skill set producing billable hours, you will begin to see a growth in your gross profit by stage five. Keep your apprentice motivated with an apprentice toolkit. One of the largest entry barriers for individuals looking to enter the automotive repair industry is the cost of tools. Napa Auto Care has worked with our supplying partners to offer an exclusive, comprehensive tool set, including a four-drawer tool cart for all registered apprentices. To learn more, members can visit member.napaautocare.com. And you brought up something else I wanted to ask. What's the best way for really anyone, but I think you're probably thinking techs or end users, to submit ideas to you or to Dormant? I would say the same the uh, same way with you know the Lester Dormant handle or reaching out directly to me. And then uh, also on our website, the same way we have our live web chat, wanting for the tech line, the 1-800 number, a topic cross banner is also submit your new idea. So I'm, I like to develop relationships with everybody because it's great to get one new idea. I'd rather have that relationship with the person that they continue to call on us. So selfishly, I'd rather have them reach out to myself directly. Yeah. But there's an easy way on a website to do it as yeah. well. One idea is an app, a phone app that they could uh, maybe punch the VIN in, maybe describe it, take some photos of it, and uh, submit that way. I don't know. Maybe you'd have <laughs> more submissions than you'd know what to do with. Yeah, no, that's a that's that's definitely a good idea. I, I do think, though, I' curious to get your opinion now that you're going to kind of open up this rabbit hole. Is how do we incentivize? Because to me, it's always like another app, right? Another thing you have to open to yeah. do, like to incentivize. Because during the course of the day, the reality is you're going to make the money on the part, right? Yeah. When you sell the job. So how do we? I like that idea of doing that. We'll definitely look into that. But it's always like, how do I make sure that that technician feels like that they're it might sound cheesy that we want to develop a relationship with them, and we could do that via the app too as well. So I think it's a great idea, Matt, to have some kind of app to kind of catalog and get all that information in. It would be hard. There's going to be some personalities out there that are going to be like, oh, I see you're going to get free information from me. Oh, here Delete, all, yeah. uninstall, right. whatever. And then there's going to be others, and I would, I think I would fall into that category is not so much trying to help Dorman. I'm doing this very selfishly. I want Dorman to help me. They can't help me if they don't know what I want. So this is the way. This clip, I can't find it or I got to buy this assembly or, you know, they're just back ordered into infinity. If I can come up with a part number, you know, the OE part number or even another aftermarket part number, a photo, build the VIN in, tell you what it is. And then, you know, months or however long later, it's available. That helps me do my job better. And who knows what it might be? It might be screws or bolts or 
clips or sensors or actual modules. You know, we were talking about a few different things, wire harnesses. And that's you know. the mindset of the of our, you know, what we call our informal advisory council, the people that we align with the most, right? The people that want to do that. I'm not, there's a base out there, there's a demographic, but not that they don't care, they do. It's just everything's moving so fast, your business another thing that you have to do. But that's really what you described is kind of the perfect profile, that person that really looks at it and says, hey, I'm, I'm just, we're just going to help the industry. It's going to help have better solutions for the customer. Um, and I'd even like to see, that kind of building your ID with the app, have a spot there to submit a quality issue too. Yep. Because like I said, we don't we don't hear a lot of that back. So Yeah, even if it's just a photo of like it doesn't look the same. It does it bolts in, it seems like it fits and it's working, but just to send it back as a concern and then maybe as they used to put in the little piece of paper sometimes, like this may not look like yeah, the thing you always throw away. Yep. Yeah, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, you're right. Wad up and throw away. Yeah, we always we always tease about that because we put it in there yeah. and then Literally on the defect card, it says, did not look like it. And there's a big AS poster we have taped on top of the intake. This will not look like the LS53 because we've consolidated it, but it's going to perform the same way, if not better. Now you're consolidated or um, what was it? The three, yeah, it's going back a little bit. Sorry, it's the only uh, example that's jumped into my head. But the 3.8 liter, you might have to give me a minute or to think of the actual VIN code, but GM3800 plastic intake would warp from the EGR. Yep. And would leak coolant into the engine and into the oil, right? Into the oil. But the Dorman kind of revised it to help prevent that issue. Correct. And so that would be an example of like, no, this doesn't really look like what you're replacing because we're fixing issues. Right. We're, We're making this better. I mean, that was the fix. If you put an OE one on there, it might last a couple of years and it was warping again. Offhand, I can I don't remember having to do a, a 3800 intake again after putting the Dorman one in. It's not like a commercial that you guys had the the piece. I think that you was, had to pound in that tube, the EGR tube, yeah. metal tube. Yep. Yeah, or a lot of the plastic, we'll call it plastic parts that fail. You guys would come out with a version that was metal that held up. I mean, there's it's easy to focus on the negatives, and that, that would be really easy to do in here, right? We I could get rolling on the pain, heartburn, but there's a lot of success stuff where no, this was better than OE. And that, I don't know, that gets forgotten a little too often. And then meeting people like yourself at trade shows like this, expos like this, to be able to talk to you and realize, hey, there's real people here working that do really care about the client, me, other clients, the issues, the reputation, and what to do to, to make it better and giving us avenues to do that. That's really important and yet another reason to network, not just with fellow technicians, fellow shop owners, but also vendors at these uh, you know, expos and events. You better be careful, Matt. They're gonna think you're on the uh, Dorman payrolls. Yeah, I'm trying, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I try to tell it like it is the way I see it. I really do. And sometimes yeah, it comes off maybe a little too commercially, but I think I can just as easily uh, run stuff into the ground. But I don't. I don't really see the point in that here either. Yeah, I do. I I, I do really uh, appreciate it, and I do know that you're being sincere. I was just kind of making light of the situation, but you know, just to kind of repeat myself earlier. It, it's all about relationships, and we're all in this together. And what can we do to keep moving forward? Even if it's a one time, I get you out of that jam. You want to use our parts again? Fine. Or hey, I've kind of convinced you to start using some of our parts, and and you really think they're working out for you? That's great as well. Yeah. I- like I said, it's almost like a selfless act for selfish means. 
Yep. You know what I mean? And that's, I kind of buy into that sometimes where, yes, it's quote unquote costing me some time to do this, but if you guys streamline the avenues to let me do that and make it easier for me to do that, I'm doing it for myself. I'm doing it for us techs, us shops to be able to fix these cars because parts are becoming an issue. They're becoming a big, big issue. Uh, Not just parts quality, but of parts availability. Availabilities. We've, it's been so crazy trying to forecast our demand because there's so many parts that the dealer are out of stock on. So it's funny you joke around. I've, we're joking around about it. There's certain people I've developed relationships over the year, but they made it clear to me they won't use Dorman. But now they're like, uh, I had to use your part because the dealer was on a three-month back order. So it's kind of like, you know, it, it's one of those things. But you're right. It's just, and then on our end of it, we don't anticipate that demand from people that typically won't buy our parts. It's been a challenge for us to figure that out. And then it's not permanent demand, right? Because the dealer's going to figure it out as the supply chain kind of gets better and better as days go on. So that dynamic's really been a challenge challenge for us. Well, the parts availability issue is so vast that I'm positive I've seen multiple posts on Facebook where somebody has ordered a part from the dealer. It shows up on the invoice as the OE number and it's a Dorman box. So <laughs> that's the reality. And that's not a knock on Dorman because clearly it's working. Right, the, yep. the dealer's probably been using it. Wow, I really, really appreciate your time, sir. Appreciate you having me. We're all in this together. Yeah, I hope to have you again on soon. Maybe less background uh, music. Maybe your people could turn that down a little bit. It's kind of like I'll have to have to ask him for next time. <laughs> it's kind of like watching uh, what I'm going to get you, sucker, and you got your own band behind you or uh, Shaft. <laughs> you got your own music. So, what are we going to call the app? The app for you that we, we should develop. What should we call it? I, I mean, Matt should be in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right, noted. Got it. No, I don't know. I, I think, yeah, like something to do with uh, ideas and quality. I suppose it could just be the Dorman app, but yeah, I'll have to think about that one. Yeah, just to differentiate it from like an application lookup type thing. It would be, yeah. I like where you're going with it. I, I think for a while we had something on the site, it kind of worked, and I never really, and we played around with the a true dormant mobile app that had an ideation slash, actually we, we never really had a quality control component only because we don't sell B2C, but I think, you know, it would go hand in hand with what, what we're trying to do. So I really like that idea. Yeah. I'm going to give you credit for that one. I'll, I'll, I'll have Matt somewhere down below. <laughs> yeah. Inspired, inspired, inspired by, by. <laughs> Yeah, but they could VIN scan it or like I said, I think that would streamline that process. You know, got a concern, easy way to document it, send it to you guys. You can see it. Uh, and then communication wise, then make, they can message you or, of course, call you. And all right, can you send that to us? Here's a shipping label. Here's whatever. That would be awesome. So switching gears a little bit, I don't know how much time we have left. I saw Carm out there. Pacing, yeah, pacing he doesn't like it when I just steal the booth from him. Yeah. You know, what's keeping you up at night from a from a technician standpoint? What do you, you know? What, what are your... The biggest challenge is just... Other than finding technicians? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right now, I would just say... God, that's a really good question. I would say finding parts and then um, say there's like a, a module that I need. It's not available new anymore or it's extremely cost prohibitive that I have to find a used one and there's a lot of stuff I have to do to try to get to get a used module to work on the car it didn't come with. It's becoming a thing. Um, I don't want to, really don't want to mislead anyone to think I'm doing it every day, but certainly more this year than last year. 
and I bet you it's just going to get more and more and more. Do you see, it, as far as just the number of, like, you know, we always look at it at Dorman, you, know, you look at a, a 2007 Acadia, for example, I think it had, like, 80 or 90 total sensors and modules, and now today that's, like, doubled or tripled, you know, from that standpoint, from what does it take now to be able to diagnose vehicles and to also recalibrate them, get the information that you need from the original equipment manufacturer? It's a catch-22. Some of the stuff, the technology makes it so much easier. Gotcha. So much easier. But other stuff, it gets so much harder. You know, parasitic drains, when you have a, a module that doesn't go to sleep, can be a freaking nightmare. Because is it the module doesn't shut down on its own or something keeping it awake? And is something that is keeping it awake directly connected to it? or not directly connected to it, there's like something else keeping it awake. And there you sit trying to, it doesn't happen a lot, but sometimes you're sitting there, you've got two components you're looking at, they're about the same price and you're not sure which one it is and it's almost like flip a coin. It doesn't happen a ton, but yeah, network diagnostics, for the most part, you know, not to like dumb it down, but if we're talking like CAN, starting out with an ohm meter, which hurts my mouth to say, because I've been taught to be pretty anti-ohm meter. I do not use it very often, but I do for CAN. And then a, a lab, digital storage oscilloscope, a lab scope, and scoping the bus. Then a good wiring schematic. Getting service information, depending on the car lines, you just pay your money or, yeah, there's certain car lines that's rough. It's really rough. You're supposed to buy their factory scan tool and the factory scan tool is, uh, you know, dollars. yeah, it's a little <laughs> cost prohibitive. Luckily, that's, you know, very few of them. Uh, and there's a few methods, legitimate methods to get that uh, a wiring somatic or whatever from them. They're getting better about it, you know, and you can file SIRs and sometimes that works out well. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, service information not, hasn't been horrible once in a while, once in a while. I, I know, I haven't heard as much, but several years ago, it was a big thing about kind of two, two things. I don't know if they're completely related. My aptitude's not the best on that, on, on that side of it, but things around like global A and then what GM's going to be doing in the future as far as, you know, these networks even be more and more complex and more encrypted. Yep. And then Chrysler with the gateway modules, how does that affect someone in your position? Knock on wood, auto auth subscription has been very good to me. Knock on wood. And then factory scan tools for those knock on wood has been very good to me. Um, but it's going to be a problem if you're not going to get auto auth. And then I'm not sure where it's going to go. I don't want to have any kind of doom and gloom because I honestly don't know, but I don't know if they're going to start making it where you have to have certain credentials to get certain levels of communication. So the first thing that pops in the head is like a NASDAQ VSP credential. So you're not going to be able to access the systems or these level of systems without it. Obviously for a mobilizer, you can't do a mobilizer. You have to have TRP and... Look, for, for like Mercedes, Mercedes TRP, yep. you yep. need a VSP or LSID number. LSID, yep. yep. And then through a portal by Mercedes or it used to be StarTech Info, you could build the vehicle, the van, put in your credentials and order that TRP part. And the dealer then would ship it to you or deliver it. You don't call the dealer for it. I think it's going to extend out to more and more things. There's some logic to it, but we're not used to it. Therefore, it's another hoop to jump through. Therefore, it sucks. So, One of the things facing the aftermarket right now that no one's talking about is related to the right to repair is this whole concept, and Dorman's been a big advocate, is um, access to information from the dealers. What I mean by that is, you know, there's more and more modules that are going to fail. There won't be a way to remand all these modules that are, yep. from all, all, are, it'll be really ineffective. 
but it's really tough for the for aftermarket companies, not just dormant, to develop a software controlled product. We can't copy any of their software, so we're basically running blind. Yeah. And then you have software over the air updates. We can sell a part that's good one day, they send out an update, it doesn't recognize the aftermarket module. Um, so we're really trying to work with the trade associations and our customers to add that to right to repair. Yeah, getting yeah. getting at least access to that, the features and functions of these modules, um, latent features, things that happened um, on that vehicle's network that that module's part of um, to understand. We do a good job with data logging, but it's not perfect. Does it help for us on our end to reach out to representatives about Right to Repair Act and bring that up? Absolutely. I first, So first and foremost, everybody should should be on Right to Repair in general. You know, that's evolved from parts and tools to your car, your data. And the next evolution really is, you know, being locked out from everybody that's in this space that's trying to develop those components, getting that information. Yeah. Um, so yes, it would it would be a huge help for yeah. everyone in the afternoon. That's something I could very much get behind. Thank you again, sir. Thank you so much for stopping by, Thanks checking out of the booth. Me. You're by far the most popular guy over there. <laughs> but hear that pen writing that check. <laughs> no, thank you again, sir. Thanks for having yep. me. Thank you, everyone, for listening. It's Matt, diagnosing the aftermarket A to Z with uh, the Aftermarket Radio Network. Thank you, Napa, for sponsoring, and we'll talk to you later. You've been listening to Matt Fonslow, diagnosing the aftermarket A to Z on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Matt on your favorite listening app. He's very interested in what you have to say. Let him know what you'd like him to cover and come on the show. Matt is all for advancing the aftermarket. Find Matt Fonslow on social media and connect or on aftermarketradionetwork.com. 